The following conversation originally aired on the Wednesday Point, which is hosted by J.C. Silk and Louise Kaplan on 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Airing weekdays at 9 a.m., The Point is a half-hour, locally produced show focusing on people and events in Central Oregon. So good morning and thank you for your time this morning, Ben Gordon and Carol Macbeth. It's been over two years, I can't believe it, since we've had Central Oregon Land Watch on the point. For the new members of our listener family, give us a quick overview of the work you do as an organization and your respective positions. Sure, happy to do that. Thank you so much for having us on today. My name is Ben Gordon. I'm the executive director of Central Oregon Land Watch. And simply, our mission is to defend and plan for Central Oregon's livable future. In our minds... For each person, there is a short list of things that make our home livable or unlivable. And so I'll let the listeners fill in the blanks there. And I'd say Landwatch does its part to ensure that livable future across the board. Carol, you want to introduce yourself? I'm a staff attorney for Central Oregon Land Watch. That was short and sweet. Okay, Central Oregon Land Watch calls itself a watchdog for Oregon's land use system. Who does the watchdog watch? Mm, Good, good question. So... Taking a step back for the last 50 years, uh, Oregon has had a pioneering land use planning system and corresponding laws. And so that system, we like to think of it, is only as strong and as strongly implemented as the watchdogs that pay attention to the way in which cities and counties interpret and implement that system and laws. And so unlike, let's take the, the police force, there's a, you know, paying attention on behalf of everyone trying to, you know, more or less keep people safe, the land use system, which has these corresponding laws, there isn't a police force necessarily. There's a commission, uh, the Land Conservation Development Commission, but that commission needs uh, watchdog organizations like Landwatch paying attention on the ground. And so for an organization like ours, we're paying attention to applications to develop and conserve land across our Central Oregon region uh, in Deschutes, Crook, and Jefferson counties uh, each and every week, making sure that the applications for development are consistent with those laws. You also keep your eye on water, one of our most precious assets here in the high desert. The last three years, Central Oregon has been declared in a drought condition. Uh, What has COLW been doing to help this problem? That's a great question. you know, water is a critical issue in our region. Uh, we've been in approximately a drought, a, a severe drought for the last 12 years, which is a thousand year drought. So it's a very big deal for us. And so one of the things that Landwatch has been doing is paying attention to the way in which water is being allocated into and away from the river. So similar to that watchdog role we play on land use matters, we're making sure that how water is being allocated is consistent with the governing laws. And when it's inconsistent, we're raising those issues to the corresponding boards. Uh, In our case, the Oregon Water Resources Department being one of them. So I read an OPB article that stated one woman's property ran dry and it cost her $30,000 to drill and obtain more access to water. So how is this issue affecting land owners and farmers in Oregon? Yeah, Carol, do you want to speak to the groundwater situation? Yeah, that same article said that last year there were 60 people had to uh, deepen their wells. And it is very costly for farmers or for rural residents to do that. But because of the drought, there have been dropping groundwater levels across the region and it's only getting worse. The the well drillers uh, tell us that they aren't able to respond to the number of calls they get to deepen wells. Wow. And 
in a lot of ways, uh, that's an equity issue because uh, you know the deeper the well, uh, the more costly the endeavor, and so the deeper the pocket, the more able to drill that deeper well. And so, for folks who are living on the margins um, already, things are lean. The reality of not being able to access water and having to come up with the resources to to get to it—that's a profound hardship on people. Let's talk about a proposed destination resort that has the dubious distinction of being the most litigated land use project in the history of Central Oregon and possibly the state, Thornburg. The project has been in the works since 2005. It encompasses over 1,900 acres. It's three miles west of Redmond and butts up against the Eagle Crest Resort. The project was initially proposed for three golf courses, three pools, 475 overnight rentals, and nearly a 1,000 homes. Give us some history on this project. Carol, do you want to start with that one? Uh, um, yeah, Thornbrook Resort was first applied for, as you said, in 2005. And, and it does ha- it is the size of a small town. It has been litigated throughout that period. The, one of the most highly litigated issues was whether fish and wildlife would be adequately protected. Um, when the resort withdraws groundwater, it affects the flows in the Deschutes River. And they have a legal obligation to make sure that they don't affect fish and wildlife by their water usage. So that's been one of the major issues of litigation throughout the years is whether uh, the, the resort's plans will adequately protect fish and wildlife. And who has been bringing forth this litigation? The, the lead opponent is a neighbor named Annunziata Gould, um, and she and uh, she's hired experts to help her, um, hydrogeologists and water rights experts, for example. But she's been fighting it since, since it first began, and she's still fighting it now. And Landwatch has been actively opposing the, uh, the applications that Thornburg is putting forth for development. So Thornburg is proposing a new fish and wildlife mitigation plan. What is this about? Explain that. Sure, happily. So in order for this destination resort development to occur, uh, there has to be a a sign-off or an acknowledgement that there's going to be no net harm to fish and wildlife by this development. So dating back to 2008, and it's interesting to think about how conditions in our region have changed both environmentally and in terms of development since 2008. As a reminder, 2008 was sort of the the end of the last big um, economic uh, and real estate boom in our region. And we know what happened for the subsequent you know seven or eight years when real estate tanked and development went quiet. And so we've got this applicant uh, wanting to uh, develop this destination resort today that they've been trying for since um, you know back then. So it's interesting to to draw parallels between what was happening here then and now, but also think about what has changed. And so from the standpoint of a development potentially having a profound impact on fish and wildlife, well, the county and other um, decision-making authorities in our state want to make sure that there is an adequate mitigation plan in place. So initially in 2008, when the um, conceptual master plan for development was approved, uh, also corresponding to that had to be this uh, mitigation plan. And so now the applicant has essentially gone before Deschutes County and asked for a modification to that mitigation plan. And recently, the hearings officer at Deschutes County said that the revisions were inadequate and that there are still quite a few questions uh, remaining before that hearings officer would be comfortable approving the revised plan. And I'll invite Carol to speak a little more to the details of that, if you would. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the hearings officer agreed with Landwatch and Annunziata Gould and other opponents. There were many people came in, individuals and members of the public came in to oppose it as well. And he agreed with all of them that this Fish and Wildlife Mitigation Plan is not adequate 
to uh, account for the effects that the resort will have on clear, cool water flowing in the Deschutes River. So one of the things that we're concerned about is that there isn't enough evidence to show that what they're proposing will actually result in water in the end, as opposed to paper water, water rights. We, we need to see the water flowing, and we agree with the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, which has expressed concern that there is no proof that this is really going to work, and that if it does work, that it's legally binding, and that it will result in water in stream. In fact, the applicant for the resort says that their new plan is optional, but the law that requires them to mitigate is not an optional law. They have to comply. So we're very concerned, and as ODFW has expressed concern, that this is not an optional process, and that that, that makes the mitigation plan inadequate just in itself, uh, and there's a reason that we think that the county should should continue to deny just as the hearings officer did. One of our major concerns is that this is a very complex proposal. They have groundwater modeling and they have uh, aquifers and water transfers and many technical reports. But Deschutes County wants people to be able to participate in their own land use decisions about what's going to happen to their fish and wildlife. So it's a legal requirement that this be understandable. And one of our concerns is that it's not understandable um, and should be denied unless the people who come in to testify about this resort are able to understand whether this will protect fish and wildlife or not. We are back in studio with Ben Gordon, Executive Director of Central Oregon Land Watch, and Carol McBeth, the legal representation for Central Oregon Land Watch. In 2013, regulators initially agreed Thornburg would be allowed to pump nearly up to 6 million gallons per day from wells. Annually, the resort could take as much water as the city of Prineville, population 10,000 reported using last year. Under this permit, up to a third of Thornburg's water could go to golf courses. And since 2020, 1,100 wells have been drilled in central Oregon. How much water is left for the taking and how will it support this big project? That's a that's a great question. Uh, you know, the water issues for central Oregon continue to be an exclamation point and a question mark for our community's future. And so the amount of water that that uh, consumption uh, amounts to is significant enough that every matter pertaining to where this water is coming from, making sure that uh, it is accounted for and that this region can afford to allocate it to this project needs to be strongly considered. Carol, do you want to speak to the water quagmire that this development yeah. finds itself in? There, there have been significant problems. Uh, going back to the original approval, one of the, the conditions of that approval was that the approval was based on the plan that was presented to the decision makers. And if the plan substantially changed, the resort would have to go back and reapply from in the first place with a completely new application. Landwatch believes that that has happened now with this new fish and wildlife mitigation plan and with our management plan and with the, the loss of their water right. Uh, there have been such substantial changes that what is required now is for the resort to go back and reapply. What, what happened in 2018 is that the the resort slept on its water rights. It lost its right to water under its permit. It's legally required to show that it has water, and originally it showed it with the permit called G17036 in technical terms from the Oregon Water Resources Department. Because it didn't use that um, under the use it in or lose it principle in, within five years, it lost it in 2018, and right now it has no right to withdraw water under that permit. So that's a complete change in what they said. They said we have water available, this is the permit. So now they're going to have 
to change their sources of water. They have proposed different sources for their fish and wildlife management plan. And all of that will means we need we don't know now what the effects will be on neighbors' wells, and we don't know what the effects will be on um, fish and wildlife. So the, that's what we're talking about now is that it should be sent back to the drawing board. And just last year, uh, we saw two preliminary decisions by the Oregon Water Resources Department where the applicant was applying for an extension of its current water right and permission for a to use a supplemental or a secondary right and in both cases preliminarily those uh, requests were denied and so we'll see probably a drawn out multi-year process where the applicant is challenging those preliminary decisions uh, we should have final decisions fairly soon but challenging them and sort of uh, forestalling that final decision all the while trying to continue to move forward with some of the land use matters at the county level but to us none of the land use matters should be de- determined without absolute clarity that this you know this community can afford to allocate this water to this project so i drive by on klein falls highway almost every day and i see what appears to be construction going on there what's happening at thornburg you know initially there was a preliminary master plan approved a long time ago back in 2008 and some i guess stopgap or um partial approvals for small uh, land use development matters. And again, uh, as Landwatch sees it, none of those decisions should have been made pertaining to any of the land uses without absolute assurance that the water was available and approved for use for these purposes. As a result, the applicant is you know, moving forward to etch out uh, what they hope to one day build. We believe that none of those actions should be taken before all of the final decisions have been authorized, yet the applicant is, is moving forward with some of that groundwork. And so while it's concerning, there's little that can be done. So Oregon's culture has always leaned more towards preservation with OregonForest.org saying that we plant every th- three trees for every tree cut down. Um, and I heard that this can even affect the Deschutes River and Crooked Rivers. So why is profit being put over preservation in this issue? It's a good question. I think bigger picture, the preservation. So there's the reality of this property in the past having been exclusive farm use and receiving a destination resort overlay. And so there's the reality that the county decided this was a place that was suitable for another destination resort. But again, that was a decision made a long time ago. So when we look at the realities of today, we have developer wanting to put in a significant development that is, in my opinion, contrary to what this community needs and the environmental hardships we're facing. And so it is in many ways incongruous with the realities of today. I still believe Oregon is committed to that conservation ethos, and it's just a matter of time before the county and this applicant realize that the big vision for so many human-made lakes and golf courses and luxury housing just doesn't make sense for this conservation-oriented community any longer. So the Board of County Commissioners will be holding a public meeting to discuss Thornburg on February 1. What's the purpose of the meeting and how can our listeners get more information and get involved? This meeting is the uh, is a hearing to consider when the hearings officer denied this fish and wildlife mid- management plan that the applicant appealed it to the Board of Commissioners, as did Anunciata Gould. And so this is a hearing before the County Board of Commissioners who has the final say in the county about whether this fish and wildlife mitigation plan will be approved or not. The public is invited to attend. It starts at 9 o'clock next Wednesday, and we encourage the public to participate. Uh, They can come in by Zoom or they can go in in person. What is the uh, web address for them to join by Zoom? Oh, they can find that at the Deschutes County website. Yeah, and further for folks who are interested in learning more 
more about uh, this development and Landwatch's work to um, ensure the greatest conservation outcomes uh, in this case, um, you can go to our website, colw.org, and when you go there, you can sign up for email updates, uh, and so we do our best to keep our followers informed. Thank you so much for your time this morning. And do you have any closing remarks? I would just say thank you so much for having us on. It's critically important that our community understands these complex matters and you know how land use decisions uh, and the use of our shared water resources uh, are decided and affect all of us. Uh, the more people know, I think it naturally lends itself to more public involvement and participation, and that really shapes the decisions that are made on all of our behalf. So thanks for having us. To the listeners, thank you for paying attention. Uh, seek us out at COL. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and for our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.